if you're thinking of starting a sales career, I think for me, it, it really comes down to who you are as a person, what you like and what you enjoy doing in your life. Anytime I've considered changes, I've always kind of done a reset and tried to recalibrate and make sure that that alignment is still there, right? What, are, what does the world require me to do? And is this something I can picture getting up and being satisfied doing every day? As long as there's alignment there, you know, I think, I think you've always got something to work with. Marrying up your personal profile as you see it and, and the characteristics of a sales role, an entrepreneurial role, whatever it is that you're looking at. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey leaders, I'm super excited to be bringing you Sean Kelly, who had a number of years in our program at Student Works and is now uh, joined uh, Xerox for a number of years as a top performer and now is with Gartner, which is the world's largest research and advisory firm. He offers a, an enormous amount of feedback around secrets of success, habits of success, and what it would take to be a real true sales professional. Just so you're aware, and I'm not saying what Sean Kelly earns, but top sales professionals earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and really create enormous value because if you're selling millions of dollars worth of ongoing revenue for big corporations, there's an enormous amount of value that you create and corporations want to attract the best talent possible for those roles. So I know you're going to love this podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow. Hey, leaders, uh, super excited to have Sean Kelly uh, today on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. You know, Sean, thanks so much for taking time from your crazy uh, schedule and uh, making time for and contributing to the program. So, um, Sean, tell me what you were like before our program. If you can think back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still very much who, who I am at my core. I was, I was definitely a shy kid. I would, I would say probably in a lot of ways introverted. Um, frankly, little, little or no experience in kind of the business or, or you know, commerce space. I, I kind of went through high school on the science end of things. Frankly, that was my undergraduate was also in the science space. So it wasn't until about a year and a half in where I kind of opened my eyes to what you guys were doing and, and the rest continues to be history. <laughs> right. So, so if you think about before, before university, can you think back of any frustrations that you had about, you know, how things were working or maybe job opportunities or anything like that? Yeah, I, I would say unclear direction. If I had to, You'll find I try and kind of distill things out and then maybe elaborate on them. I think unclear direction was, for me at the time, a pretty overriding feeling. I knew, I knew that I had interest in what I was studying. I knew that there was a match there. But what I didn't know is how that connected or how it was going to connect into my career. Right. And so, you know, the, the, the program working with you and the team, that was, that was, for me, that sort of fork in the road. 
So I know you took like food sciences. And so obviously there's an interest there. And, and, and obviously this is sort of more leadership and entrepreneurship and sales. How did those things come together for you, Sean? Well, I guess I'd say it's a little bit in my DNA. So my, my dad, he, if we go into a little bit of my history in terms of what I kind of grew up around, my dad was in healthcare and largely kind of that business development sales type focus. Until about, coincidentally, almost the age I'm now, at, at about the age of 40, he kind of said, that's it. That's enough. I'm going into, I'm starting my own business. And so since then, he's been in real estate with, with, okay. his, with his path, but you know, very entrepreneurial and very much the skill set that I started to develop in my early 20s with, with you guys. How it came about, it, it, was, uh, it was a good old-fashioned clipboard. You know, So sitting in class, this was second year for me. I I kind of got a clipboard. I read through the the uh, kind of the high level bullets. Do you want to make this money? Do you want to get you know get this entrepreneurial experience? And it all everything said yes to me at the time. So right. went into had my initial sections. Was eventually recruited in, and I had had the best five years of my life. Awesome. Forward. Yeah. Awesome. So what do you still rely on from the program, or what what sort of you know habits or skill sets or from the program from those five years? Yeah. You know, I think without a doubt, and some of this may sound cliche, it really did teach me, I think, the meaning of work ethic. Um, I had always been a hard worker. Nothing could have prepared me for for what that first summer looks like, you know, yeah, coming out sure. and, and coming into very long, you know, whatever, 80, 90, 100 hour work, work weeks. It was, it was eye opening for me, but so reassuring to kind of see you, you know, you get out what you put in. So that was a huge one. I would say without question, I mean, I still rely on them. My it, it, This formed the backbone fundamentally for my entire inner circle. To this day, 90% of the people that I talk to on a daily and weekly basis are people, people I met through the program. No joke. <laughs> so th- th- those are two, yes, yeah, so those are, those are two, two key ones for me. I think I grew up around discipline and, and you know, some of those other threads that, continue, that are in, in line with work ethic. So. Those ones come to mind immediately. Yeah, no, those those are great. And I know the group of people you hang out with, and they're just an amazing, amazing group of people. And obviously they become, you know, you become the average of the people you spend the most time with, right? And you share those values and those habits and and they hold you accountable and they, they're doing great things. So I want to do great things. So it really is amazing. I've been similarly blessed. So post-student works, why don't you walk us through um, just what you did career-wise? Because as I recall, you joined Xerox. You know, tell me about Xerox and what your experiences were there, Sean. I was coming off of the end of, I guess it would have been my five years, so the world, the GM role, coming off of the last world of GM, right. um, with works. Moving from there, uh, spent the better part of a year with New Image, which I'm sure you recall. And then from there, yes. we had Xerox. And that, that kind of came by chance, yet again, mm-hmm. tapping into the social network I built up at, at, uh, at, at Student Works. So I was downtown. I was in a bar. I was, I happened to run into AJ Brown, who you may remember uh-huh. from Aurora. Absolutely. Yeah. And just was catching up. And I said, you know, what, what's going on? How's life? How are things progressing? And he said, God, yeah, I'm at Xerox. And he started going on and on about the amazing opportunities he'd seen within one year. I almost didn't didn't believe him. I, I kind of right. like, wow, wow, that's that's unbelievable. Coming basically out of school into incredible income, incredible experience. So 
from there, I, I essentially kind of started looking at Xerox as the next step in my professional career. Right. That turned into eight years and, you know, various, various roles, various, various positions, but um, what an amazing run there too. And so that was just leading me into 2015. One of my old leaders at Xerox had left to go to Gartner about a year before and was sort of on my heels about coming over, coming over and taking a look at what, what Gartner does. Right. So I did. And, uh, and that's been about the last three years. So still, still progressing, both great companies. Yeah. One of the things that I'm using this this podcast to create for our young leaders is is just the opportunity to kind of have a look in these great organizations that are that our alumni join and you know, hey, what did they learn? What did they grasp? What were some of the different roles? So tell me more about Xerox. What was the culture like? Corporate culture, learning and development, mentorship. I love love to love to hear about that, Sean. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a change for sure. Even even though Xerox, you know, a couple of things about Xerox at a high level, they they to this day very much I think carry a bit of a clout in the industry as far as if you if you can get into Xerox and sell there, you can pretty well take those skills and sell anywhere you like. And so that was very for much sure. kind of the the industry call it assumptions about the people who have been at Xerox. So you know, once you get in there and you're and you're actively working with them, it's it's, it's a, there's a lot of cowboys uh, and girls. It's a great place to be. I think where how it lent itself very well to what I had done at Student Works was go out and build it. Right, like here's here's your territory. This you know it's, it's yours to live or die by. So go out. And I think definitely some of the skills that I had acquired in my years at Student Works, I was able to take and kind of port to what I did at Xerox. And I had I had great success. I did. It was um, it was eye opening from a just a corporate standpoint too, right? So so no longer I think you know in terms of the differences, flexibility and autonomy I think are what initially first come to mind. So you know what I what I had, which was you know ultimate control over everything in my business at Student Works and you know effectively as a general manager too, I had to relinquish a little bit of that. So I had For to sure. give that up, you know to to kind of be a, a corporate steward and for the bigger, the broader, the broader organization in Canada, which, you know, in the spirit of being self-aware, I believe, I, you know, I had some, some stumblings along the way and, right. and uh, lessons learned definitely, but it was a journey I don't regret and to this day. I think a very valuable skill to have just working in, you know, with at the time I started legal, um, some of the biggest legal firms in Toronto. And now I've continued to move into and stay to this day working with our financial banks. And I know as well, one of the, one of the things that they have is they have a really great high performance culture. Cause I know, you know, again, we've stayed connected over the years and I know winning, winning president's trips and people, you know, getting taken to really great places. And, and again, an incentive based culture, obviously compensation wise, but also, you know, the trips and the extra benefits to make people feel special and do their best to retain, retain people. Right. Yeah. That was, you know, huge for me, actually. Getting to, you know, hit President's Club in the first year I was there after winning Rookie of the Year, I ultimately won a seat on the plane to um, President's Club, which, which was to the Four Seasons Florence, Italy, right? So, yeah. you know, uh, that, that actually was the first time I remember kind of looking up, going, oh, my God, like, this is, this is what the world has available to, <laughs> to, uh, to people, right? And, and it was kind of right. like a wake-up call for me to, this feels good. This feels good. So, you know, continuing to stay on that journey and, and those incentive 
high performance culture. It was a, a common thread and continues to be in everything I've done. My, I think it's okay that I say this. My, uh, the compensation model was, uh, again, it's almost like, you know, without results, you're not making money. It was a 90% commissions based compensation model. Right. So it was sink or swim. Very, very much <laughs> like Steamworks yeah. was. Now, that softens up a little bit in my role now. It's a little bit closer to 50, 50, 60, 40 type right. of thing. There's a bit more of a base, right. a base there, but it was very much got to be performing consistently yeah. to, to even survive. Great, great times, great years there. And I know Sean is like, one of the things is, is that obviously you've developed extraordinary sales skills. You had those back with us, you, you know, and obviously they just continue to get mastered and, and the business to consumer is what we specialize in business to business. There's just so much more to learn and delve into. And, but I know as well, you, you're an awesome leader um, and an awesome coach. So what made you sort of stay in the sales role versus, you know, becoming a sales manager or director or moving along that role? A great question. And, you know, I think if I look at it, I had the res- at several junctures and there continues to be opportunities to, to go down that path. What I, what I think I'll say is really important to me is, is having leaders, you know, strong leadership really right. from, for myself. Right. So when I look to um, get promoted, I, you know, the, the coaching and leadership that I would then in turn receive from whomever my, my boss would end up being is, it's always been a very, very important thing to me. Um, and, and not to say that that held me back. That's, that's definitely an important one. Honestly, I think it comes down to back to that flexibility and autonomy mm-hmm. thing. Right. I've had a difficult time, and this is probably, again, just back to the consciously competent component, is some of the lessons I've learned have been from me kind of looking and what's right in front of me versus necessarily taking a step back, elevating, and maybe better sort of mapping out what a career truly looks like and some of the sacrifices required in the corporate world to right. rise on up. And, you know, that's not for good or for bad. That's just what, what my realities have been, right? 100%, Sean. Like, you know, I can read between the lines on your LinkedIn page and see you are ripping it. Uh, so you're really <laughs> excelling. And, and again, top sales reps earn more than a lot of times the VPs, et cetera. So, so I know compensation is not the driver. And uh, that's an interesting perspective for our young leaders to see that, you know, it's one of the things that you give up when you run the role of not decide to become the district manager, the branch manager, the director, the VP role is, is, is you give up a lot more independence, a lot more flexibility, a lot more doing it as you want to, when you want to, when you're the, the killer salesperson. And just, you know, again, you, you get a lot more flexibility because when you're in, more in the chain you've really got to drive the bus along the corporate railway and, and, and that's, that's okay. That's not bad. And then one of the things as well, I love, and maybe you can speak more to it is, is I, I just can't say enough about having a great mentor, you know, and that's something that you've talked about. I know you had here. Um, and then also in your careers and it just makes such a difference. And I, I really love for people to sort of really make sure that that's, that's a huge part of if they're switching someplace or they're choosing a place Who's going to be coaching you? Who's going to be someone? And I'm really glad that you're you're still feeling like that's happened for you in your career. I, I think it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a, and it started back in my early 20s with you guys, right? I have this. It's almost like this complacency 
thing that pops up every time I feel that I'm, I'm stagnating or I'm, I'm not yeah. continuously developing or, or, you know, evolving. And that could be in my leader, in, in the capacity of leadership. It could be as a father. It could be, you know, any, anything. Bunch of areas. Yeah. You know, that, that's definitely something that, that maintains still to this. And I do, I consciously consistently seek out those I, I, I think I can learn from. Yeah. To this day. That's a great best practice. And as well, Sean, I know it speaks to you being, again, aware of those weaknesses or those parts of being Sean, right? Like to me, if you don't know you're messed up or you don't know that your your inner child made decisions on you that are running your life right now and that you've got to sort of stand in the way or, or again, become aware of so that you can actually make a choice as a 40-year-old or for me as a 28-year-old, um, you know, <laughs> I'm still 28, Sean. That's, that's that. I'm sticking with that. Um, but, you know, just that awareness of it is so key. So, I, tell me about Gartner. I'm sure I, I don't know that much about Gartner and I know they must be an amazing firm because you're there and I know we've got another amazing alumni over there in Montreal. So tell me about Gartner. Yeah, Gartner, Gartner is, um, so believe it or not, they're, they're the world's largest by about 10 times research and advisory firm. So wow. um, we, we acquired, I think it's yeah, going back about two years ago, we acquired our biggest competitor and uh, at the time they were called CEB, Corporate Executive Board. So our revenues, call it about $4 billion globally, annually, is made up of about 70% research and advisory. So what I'm effectively selling when I go out and speak to my clients is access to our IP, is what that is. And that, that comes through published research that comes out, but ultimately a lot of the most valuable uh, insights come from speaking directly to our analyst community. Okay. That's what, um, that's what I'm selling to sort of distill it out. Uh, We also have about a 15% of our revenues that come from kind of boutique consulting group. Mm -hmm. And then another 15% that come out of our our global events calendar that uh, continues. And it's a pretty, pretty significant contributor. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. run you run basically global events for big community big big companies, and they come in and have their best people to learn, et cetera, and, and develop their their best people. Um, where I work inside the companies in our technology group, so we support all functional areas of uh, you know HR and, and legal and human resources. Sorry, human resources, sales. We support all the functional domains of business, especially after right. this acquisition. Um, my particular area of focus is in technology. So as an example, I would work with, you know, one of our big five banks inside their technology organization that has you know, two to 3,000 uh, employees working with their leadership on Gartner Insights that will help enable them to execute their strategy. It could be building their strategy even further upstream. Um, right. That's that's effectively what we're doing. And uh, it's tough. So you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, for me, it was a big adjustment getting started, almost trying to go from Xerox where I was selling, you know, tangible hardware, right? So this is what right. you get here, here are the, you know, the qualities, the speeds and fees, that sort of thing to almost an intangible, right? I'm selling, I'm selling IP, I'm selling ideas, I'm selling advisory support. Right. It's different from consulting, it's not a statement of work that you're saying, here's what we're going to do for you, here's how much it costs. It's here's access for a year to all of our all of our experts to help you build, execute, et cetera. 
Wow. That does seem a lot, a lot, really, really challenging, right? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's a different. little bit nebulous. And to this day, I know I sometimes struggle to, to describe it myself, but uh, right. that's, that's really it. Yeah. And obviously why they go and recruit, uh, you know, amazing salespeople to be able to make that connection, right? Like, you know, so, so if you look at what are the keys to having a fantastic sales career? Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of things. No surprise. Some of this again, it's going to go. It's going to go back, and it's going to sound sound cliche. But but you know, work ethic number one, I think, and, and just a commitment to doing what it takes, um, right? No matter what it takes, that that sort of thing. Um, I I pulled out actually a document that I did in one of our leadership courses recently that just kind of lets you do a personal inventory of some of the things that you believe have led to your success. So for me, it was. Okay. Um, maybe a surprising focus on the, anal- on the analytical side, right? The average profile of a salesperson isn't necessarily, and they're not always analytical, right? I think it's right. safe to say. Yeah. I am, and I have always been, and I continue to be, and I think that that does help me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it can hinder if you tend to go down the rabbit hole on certain things, but, but I, uh, I, I would say that's still a very big part of who I am. Staying disciplined, you know, my routines, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm up at, you know, between four and five every day. That's just the way I, I continue to do it. Um, right. you know, get my workout in, get my day started on a, on a real sort of high energy note. Ambitious was, is, yeah. is a big one that I've yeah. continuously heard. Yeah. No matter where I've, where I've gone, what I've done, you know, daring and driven are two others that have, that sort of came, came to me as I was doing a bit of an inventory there. So yeah, those would be some of the qualities I would say. Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately, it's who you know who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I want to let you know, I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the four referability habits advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca slash habits and download it for free. These habits will help you gain the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download the Four Referability Habits Advantage. Now, back to our Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. If you were looking at starting a sales career, you know, uh, what would you recommend? I know there's a lot of startups. I know there's some sales organizations that do some training. How do you, how do you compare and contrast that, Sean, from what you've seen? Obviously, I know you know a lot of salespeople. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if you're thinking of starting a, a sales career, I think for me, it, it really comes down to who you are as a person, right? And what, what you, what you like and what you enjoy doing in your life. Right. Um, anytime I've considered changes, I've always kind of done a reset and tried to recalibrate and make sure that that alignment is still there. Right. What are, what is the role, what does the role require me to do? And is this something I can picture getting up and being satisfied doing every day? Right. Um, as long as there's alignment there, you know, I think, I think you've always got something to work with, you know, marrying up your personal profile as you see it and, and the characteristics of, you know, 
a sales role, an entrepreneurial role, whatever it is that you're looking at. In my mind, I, I would not be surprised at all if I bumped into you, you know, again, you know, 15 years or whatever post, post student works and you would have been, you know, an entrepreneur and doing it out on your own. And I could still see that. How do you compare and contrast the decision of, of staying big corporate, even, even though, you, you know, again, you, you've got a lot of this independence versus entrepreneur? How do you work through that and make that decision? I can tell you historically what it's, and this is shifting. So being a father and, and, and now, you know, a, a husband and, and building a family, it, it, my perspective has definitely changed. I think that initially um, it was, a, you know, there was a great lifestyle. I was getting accom- accustomed to living with all of these right. trips from Xerox and, you know, reward trips and, you know, just, just having means to do, you know, a whole bunch of things. Um, that did start at student works, by the way, you right. know, that, that sort of, um, financial freedom, we'll call it, you know, more right. than I would have had if I would have graduated in food science and then gone on to work in a lab, which a lot of my, my fellow peers at the time had, had gone on to do. Right. To be honest and quite transparent, I'm, I'm very much at this point kind of taking stock of my life. So at, at 38, I'm looking back at my professional career. Um, you know, I'm still, things are still going great at my company today and I have no intentions of leaving, but I'm really kind of looking at, this next phase as being, how can I be a better father? How can I be, you know, a better, a better sort of family man and taking different things into consideration. I think there is something to be said for being an entrepreneur. And and I know that, you know, there's oftentimes that initial self-sacrifice, but again, looking over the long term, um, I think is more what I'm trying to keep in mind now versus, you know, what's the next 10 feet look like and, and sort of that, that, you know, which which tends to be yeah. a little bit a little bit more about right. how I have lived my life in the past. Okay, cool, cool. So you know, just crushing the next quarter, getting another huge bonus. Yeah, right? you know, it's, it's, okay, <laughs> a lot of quarters like that for Sean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that's great. So you know, one of the things we like to to talk about uh, with our young leaders and give them a perspective is just about failures or mistakes or setbacks. What, what, what could you share there? What, what, do you, what do you see there uh, for your show? Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, if I were to look at some common, common themes as far as what's led to some setbacks and, you know, failures, call them, whatever you want to call them. Right. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I think they've really stemmed from my inability to, in some cases, view things from others' perspectives. Okay. And, you know, I think as I've learned and as I've, as I've kind of grew as a person, that's one thing. And this, this comes from being in, you know, in a relationship for 15 years and, you know, like, good, you know, good job there, there, by the way. Good job, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it's a, it's a, it's a skill that transcends, you know, situations in life. And, and so, yeah. You know the the where I've where I've been challenged, and I think where I've looked back and gone, I probably could have handled that a little bit differently. Have been times when I've been sitting there viewing it through my own lens, and not yeah. necessarily, you know. And I don't know if this is the empathy component here, but but just you know, flipping that around and looking at it from whoever else I'm speaking to, working with, etc. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I, I see, I see how that works both personally and professionally, right? You know, obviously mm-hmm. that's key in in influential roles and sales roles. It's also so key in our you know significant other roles and just just again, what's 
getting into the other person's shoes. That's so powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you think back to, um, you know, starting out as a teenager, joining our, our program, going into, you know, a full-time, really successful career that you've had, what did you need to change about yourself, Sean? If I think back to my original, what, what, sorry, what, what did I change? Did I need to change about myself to become successful in the role? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I had to, there was like this, uh, developmental, I think a, a risk tolerance barrier I had to break through and just trust in my abilities that this is what I loved about student works. There was a formula. It was a proven success formula. If you go out, do X, Y, and Z, you will get ABC, right? So, right. you know, I think it was for me just trusting in the system, trusting in what you had, what you had built and continue to do so successfully, which is say, guys, here's everything you need. Right. right? And, you know, here, here are the qualities that, um, are going to be required of you, and I, I kind of looked at those and I thought, I don't doubt my, I don't doubt. So I'm not worried about working hard. I'm not worried about making the sacrifice. I will do all that stuff. And for me, I think it was just trusting the outcomes would follow. Right. And the first year was was you know my first summer was a massive breakthrough for me just just personally doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still to this to this day, I, I'm I'm quite confident that I would not be where I am without those early uh, early lessons yeah. Yeah. That, I, that I learned with student work for sure well thank, thank you Sean and, and I remember as well I remember talking uh, I know you were mid-career or maybe you know a, a number of years into into Xerox and you were sort of just feeling as well it's like yeah, I think I got this I, you know it's like I, I can see how every year I can keep having amazing years like there's a there's a process here. There's a system that's, you know, and, and that after early that there was a, just a, a lack of clarity, which makes sense, right? When you're joining a business and it's like, oh, I, I know I've had a really great year. I think it was even after two or three really great years, it was finally, okay, I, I know I can just keep doing this. Like, is there, was there something mm-hmm. fluky about last year? From a distance, it may seem fluky or whatever, but no, if I just keep putting these in, one of these big big fish is going to land, you know, just because if I just keep doing this over 365 days a year, just like, again, if you keep going to the gym, keep doing the workout, you're going to get the result, right? And you're going to yeah. you know, get how you, how you feel. So it's not that complicated. Uh, a lot of people just aren't willing to put the work in. So willingness. that's one of the yep. yeah, willingness. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that we attract to our program is people who go, no, I, you know, I want, I want, I want all that I can get, you know, in a, you know, contribute in an amazing manner, get a great life. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know, and, you know, meaning whatever hard work I need to put in. That's, that's, you know, yeah. so, so right. um, if someone wanted to do what you do, what, what key habits would they want to steal from you? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say discipline. Mm-hmm. Probably first, first and foremost, you have to know what you want, right? This is this is so back to your earlier question, Chris. You had asked about, you know, why you you think stayed in the in the individual contributor role. Um, where I've struggled, I think, is is determining whether I really wanted the role of a leader or wanted the role of a you know a branch manager that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. In my life, anytime. Once I've really, I think, committed mentally to a particular goal, um, I just by default I become willing to do what it takes, and, and I've always I've always achieved it. Right. So, um, you know, I guess by through my powers of deduction here, I've kind of answered my own question, which is, 
I don't know that I necessarily wanted to move into those those leadership yeah. roles in the companies that I've that I've worked for. Um, yeah. But that, yeah. that's just right here, right now. You know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows no. in the future? Oh, and there's no doubt you've got the skills because you were an amazing, amazing district manager and coach in our program. So I know you've got all that it would take. But like you said, you know, you, you've right now decided that the pros and the cons. No, I'd, r- I'd rather stay here. And and I've got my alley and I can just keep executing and keep crushing it, etc. So I think there's something I, I think it's sorry to interrupt, but I, I think there's something also to be said for almost not knowing. And this brings me back to the discussion I have with my general manager, Chris O'Rourke, after my second year in managing, we talked about moving into the general manager role. I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily bulldozing the doors down to get that role. Originally it was, it, it came out of a discussion with Chris to say, you know, we thought about it and I hadn't, to be honest at right. the time really. Um, and, and this is where the, the concept of a strong leader comes in. I think he was able to help me see what I didn't. Yeah. about about the rule and, and ultimately help me help me um just go for it right yeah. and, and ultimately those you know the franchise was fantastic but those those three years being able to sort of pay it forward and help others those are that 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 component of you know gming is going to be continue the continue to be the focal point of anything i do in the future helping others achieve success because that was yeah. for me the most gratifying yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I, you know, obviously, I love it. So, final question, Sean. Uh, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? To me, strong leadership. It's it's about foundational truths that 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 truly do transcend time, right? And and so, if I think of, uh, I assume you still, Chris, have those same four pillars of the business. Absolutely, relationships are everything. That's the first one. And truthfully, yeah. I, I yeah. go back to that. can't even tell you the number of times in my life I've thought about that as being truly integral to so much of what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a true leader is only as good as its people. Yes. Um, and then the relationships with them that he or she has. W- without those relationships, you're going to really struggle as a good leader, uh, enabling and empowering your people. You know, technology continues to evolve how we all do that. But um, you know, my connecting with people, I always, in, in my day-to-day life now, I try to do it in person as much as possible. I try to yeah. see the whites of other people's eyes and, and stay connected as humans. That's, that's yeah. where impact happens. And for me, I, I think was, you know, kind of, if I had one, my secret sauce was my relationships with the people in my life at the time. Um, yeah. you know, be it my employees, be it the franchisees, whatever the case, it was, it was number one. It was number one on your four relationships are everything yeah no that's great and 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 i imagine as well it's still it's still number one now meaning you know in these in these accounts that you're delivering so much value to right and they're choosing to go previously with xerox now with gartner they they are they're trusting you to make those decisions right well what do you think sean and right like it's it's there's no question that a relationship is such an enormous part of making a sale if they don't trust you how can they do business with you, right? And and you right. know you show up as, you know. Again, one of the things I love to you know coach people is we show up as who we are every day. You know, again, and and you know it's like, hey, am I someone who can get up early and go to the gym every morning? I show up that way, and people right. people are impressed because it takes discipline, it takes hard work, it takes commitment. Again, the, I, I love it. You know, basic fundamental truths about life. You know, do yeah. I do what I say? You know, you know that's fundamental those four referability habits. So yeah. 
Yeah. What were the other three, by the way? Relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. Results economy. Yeah. The four referability habits. You must earn the right to work here. And the one that I know you lived, work hard, play hard, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Big smile. Big smile. You bet. Yeah. (laughs) So, so Sean, I I am so appreciative. We will connect soon. Um, We're having an alumni event in the fall to, to, to bring everybody together. But uh, just awesome and so, so grateful that you spent the time uh, with our young leaders here on the podcast today. Yes. All right. Well, listen, Chris, thanks for having me on. It is a, it is a true pleasure. Um, I, I didn't think twice when I saw this email from you. I, I would love to continue to participate in any way I can. I really do. This is so core to who I became in life. And, and you're a huge, huge part of that. So thank you again. Okay. You're welcome, my friend. Okay. We'll talk soon. Cheers. All right. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey leaders, we've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age.